umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're here to talk about the upcoming game versus michigan state well clint how do you see this one well i uh you never know with this game, you know, the the amount of emphasis that D'Antonio puts on the uh, the Michigan game every year. They they always seem to uh, to play a little bit better than expected over there. So it's uh, it's tough to predict. I think there's there's kind of an unseen force. I think that that kind of works at this. But uh, I think Michigan will will win by multiple scores. I, I just I, I can't see any scenario that Michigan State scores more than you know ten or fourteen points, even if uh, even if there's a you know a real surprising big play, you know missed assignment or or something on special teams. I just that uh, I just don't see how how they're going to put up a lot of points. So um, I. Michigan State's defense is good. I don't think that uh, I don't think that this is going to look like the uh, the Notre Dame game or anything. I think it's going to be much more about uh, about just playing a clean game and uh, leaning on leaning on Michigan State because I think uh, Michigan is the better team uh, in every facet. Just continue to play cleanly and and. Um, Eventually, all those advantages and all the different uh, spots will add up, and, and I think Michigan will win. Uh, I'm predicting something like uh, 24 to seven. Um, you know, comfortable, but uh, but I don't expect it to get too far out of hand. But um, uh, if if things start going poorly for Michigan State, um, the way the rest of this season has gone, and with uh, the uh, the challenges that they've had and the meltdowns that we've seen. If if Michigan get off can get off to a fast start, then um, it is it is definitely possible that uh, the Spartans would fold completely. But I, I don't I don't think so. I think D'Antonio will have them uh, amped up, ready to go, and that this is going to be tight for for a little while until uh, eventually Michigan can can push away a little bit like last year, maybe with an extra score in there. I was thinking of last year when we're looking at the uh, the weather forecast. It's going to be better than last year. That you know the conditions were really brutal in East Lansing, and Michigan you know just completely dominated Michigan State. But the score was probably closer uh, than the game. Now I'm a big believer in the scoreboard is the scoreboard. But last year Michigan really dominated, and and I don't think that the score was was completely indicative. I I am going to say that, which will, well, I think will come as a surprise to a lot of people, that I'm actually going to cut Michigan State a little bit of slack on what happened uh, against Illinois. For one thing, I think I, I think that spread was crazy, okay, coming into the game. And I'm not a big believer in spreads, but heading into that game, Illinois had put together really their, their best football, you know, their definite best football streak of the year. And 
Now, I understand giving Michigan State the benefit of the doubt because they're at home, but there's no way I thought that was a 14-point spread. So, um, first, let, 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 you know, I want to say that right off. So, and again, um, you know, I, I had a chance, you know, to Michigan having the bye week, I had a chance to, to watch that game and flip back and forth between that and the, the Alabama game, which was quite interesting. But so on one hand, while, while the collapse is brutal and it hurts, I really think that Illinois was, was better than the spread and, and probably, you know, Michigan state, uh, looked really good in the first half and, and I think came back to earth in the second half. So how does that pl- impact on the Michigan game? I think Michigan's defense is much better than Illinois. Um, I agree with you. I don't see Michigan State scoring more than, than one or two touchdowns and you know maybe a few field goals depending on how things go. And I do expect the, the bye week to kind of impact the momentum that we were seeing from the Michigan offense. You always like the bye week because it gives you a chance to get healthy, but Michigan really seemed like they were putting things together on offense, and I'm a little worried that they're going to lose some of that momentum coming back. I do think that if Harbaugh does have the opportunity, if things start to go bad for Michigan State, I don't think Michigan will let up. So it'll be interesting to me to see how Michigan State responds. I mean, I remember... Uh, the tail end of the Bobby Williams era, and Michigan just just put a beating on Michigan State. You know, at home, it was it was an amazing game. It was wonderful to see. And you know, when you consider the uh, the number of players who have entered the transfer portal for Michigan State, you know, they lost a key player in defense. It was just announced, uh, you know, in the last day or two, they've lost a key uh, participant on offense. So. I know they're going to come in. I know they will be game. They will give it all they have. But at this point, I'm just wondering if they're completely outmanned and if not only Michigan being better and playing some of their best football of the year heading into this game, but just if the wear and tear is just going to wear Michigan State out in the second half. Yeah, I really, I think that's exactly correct. I think that um, it's a talent advantage and a depth issue. Uh, for Michigan State, that's going to end up really driving um, the results on, on Saturday. The the Spartans had a, just an absolutely brutal October on the schedule. You know, even before they had any of those other challenges, they had uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Penn State uh, all in October, and and a couple bye weeks, a couple weeks apart, and then the Illinois game was their first game at coming out of that kind of, you know, gauntlet and they came out and played, you know, really well to start. So um, even after getting kind of really, you know, through the meat grinder uh, in October, they, they still played um, really, really hard and got out to a fast start. We know we saw in Champaign that Illinois, you know, scored 25 straight points on Michigan uh, as well, we know that they're they're capable of that, and um, they haven't lost since that game. So you, you do have to give the Illini a little bit of credit, um, but I, I think that this Michigan State team, once things start going poorly, um, I don't know that they've got um, the the success under their belt to be able to uh, 
to kind of turn the ship, you know, especially given that they've lost some of their, uh, some of their leadership, um, uh, in Joe Bashi, you know, being suspended. So I, I expect it to be close to start. And, um, once Michigan's able to break through and, uh, start putting together some successful plays, maybe, maybe, uh, get some, get some longer, uh, explosive plays on offense, then once things start to slide in Michigan's direction, I, I don't see it going back and forth. I think once it starts going Michigan's way, it's going to continue going Michigan's way. So let's hope that starts early in the game. So I mentioned uh, Bobby Williams and his time at Michigan State and, and how his tenure ended up. The other thing I was thinking that, again, you know, you can't take the game for granted. Again, it's a rivalry game. You know Michigan State's going to bring everything. And I was thinking back to Earl Bruce's last game uh, versus Michigan with Ohio State. You know, entered the game as a, a lamb duck, came to Ann Arbor, and, and pulled out the win. So not that I would ever compare Michigan State to Ohio State. They don't deserve it. But when you're looking at, at kind of coaches who are, who are struggling when they come in, um, you know, and, and it's interesting because when you look at the whole tenure of Mark D'Antonio, he's been very successful against Michigan. I mean, much to our, our chagrin, right? But it is interesting to see kind of how the program, how the bottom of their program has kind of fallen out the last several years. Um, and again, it's, it, it's just interesting to see how the, how the tides turn, right? And, and uh, definitely Michigan state is, is reeling right now. There's a lot, there's some question on whether D'Antonio is going to be back. The, the rumors, the strong rumors out of East Lansing is that at this point it will be his choice if he wants to come back. And, you know, you have to wonder at this point in his career if he really wants to go through uh, a rebuild, especially with, you know, a dominant Ohio State program, a resurgent Michigan program, and Penn State in the division. It, it, may, be a, a, it, it may be a major effort to turn the program back into, into a consistent winner. So you kind of have to wonder – you know, the other thing that's out there is that um, his assistant coaches are on one-year deals right now. So if he does decide to retire, it could be a fairly easy, clean sweep for the administration. But all that is just playing in the background to what we're going to see on the field Saturday. Yeah, the other the other facet uh, going on up there is, you know, that's an, an interim athletic director. You know, it in the season that Mark D'Antonio just became their all-time winningest football coach, um, I, I definitely think that if if D'Antonio decides that he wants to coach in 2020, he'll be the coach in 2020. I, I don't I don't see uh, an interim an interim athletic director putting together uh, enough of a, of a push to really oust D'Antonio if that's not if it's not kind of a mutual agreement, but. Uh, I do tend to believe and agree with what you said that um, going forward for the Spartans, they, they've got a lot of uh, rebuilding work to do. Um, recruiting hasn't been even to the same level that it was when D'Antonio was most successful in the early part of the decade. So um, it, it might get worse before it gets better. So um, for the for their program, it probably makes the most sense to uh, to try to find out, uh, to find the new the, the next coach, uh, the next generation kind of coach, because um, 
64 years old. I don't know that D'Antonio has another another uh, bottoms up rebuild in him either. But if he decides that he does want to, I don't see how they uh, how they get rid of him. It's it is going to be up to uh, up to him, I would say. Um, in terms of uh, the Michigan game and, and how this program kind of reminded me, I mentioned this in my article too that from the beginning of the season, this this team, uh, this Michigan State team, reminded me of the 2017 Michigan team with a really good defense that was never really put into a position to be as successful as they could be because the offense just can't can't play complementary football uh, to the way that that you would expect. I think right now their defense is ranked 11th in SP plus, but their offense is down at 84th. And uh, that's actually an improvement over last year. They were 95th at the end of last year on offense. So I, I just, again, I, I think remembering how, how I felt in that uh, 2017 season with uh, just almost a waste of, of a really good defensive uh, team. I, I know that frustration. I remember how, uh, how I felt when things started to go sideways uh, against South Carolina in the bowl game. And uh, I, I, I really think that if you can put some early pressure, put them in a tough spot early on, uh, the Spartans might, might let things slide out of control, but um, my gut tells me they'll be able to, to hang around and, and keep it close at least till halftime. Well, and there is a lot of, you know, looking kind of at the, the larger situation, you know, one thing that crossed my mind is, so the uh, Mark D'Antonio has a bonus coming due in January, which is, you know, rather hefty, uh, $4.3 million. Um, you know, the school is kind of reeling financially from the, you know, the settlement that they had to do for some of the other things that have happened off the field. So one thing I wondered is, you know, to save face for everybody, you know, you mentioned there's an interim AD. I wonder if D'Antonio may get kicked upstairs. You know, I wonder, you got to believe that he's built up a gut, enough goodwill that if he wanted to be a candidate to be, you know, the the uh, the actual athletic director, that that might be a way for everybody to save face. He stays with the program and then he would have a hand in, in rebuilding the program, even if you know, not directly on the field, but he would have a hand in picking the coaches that would succeed him. So, you know, definitely some interesting things to watch. Um, I will tell you that from a personal standpoint, I, I don't like D'Antonio. Um, and, and it's not just because he's he's beaten, you know, Michigan. Again, he's been quite successful. But just his whole demeanor, the whole act, um, you know, I, I, I what comes to mind is, um, you know, when he gets off the bus at Michigan Stadium, he's always really grumpy to the stadium workers. And again, it's part of his stick. He plays the whole, you know, nobody takes us seriously thing. But um, out of all the coaches in the Big Ten that I've talked to, he's the most unpleasant. And and it just, you know, I, I, I uh, again, hats off to him, you know, for what he's been able to accomplish at Michigan State. But I don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy for him now that things are are, are going wrong. So. I'm hoping that Michigan is just going to put a, a, you know, an epic beating on the Spartans, and uh, I would I would love to see that. Um, 
some of the stories that came out of East Lansing. Um, I, I don't know, Clint, if you were able to watch the game, but by the end of the Michigan State-Illinois game, the stadium was was practically empty. And again, really nasty weather conditions, but but still, um, you know, there, there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of nastiness from from the the fans, even towards the team. So, and then it also turned out that uh, Michigan State, for the first time that I can remember, actually turned tickets back to Michigan for this game. So, there's going to be uh, even more Michigan people in the stands than usual. So, I'm hoping that they they uh, have a good show to see. Yep, uh, I I agree with that, and I'm. Um... Looking forward to it. That that week off was uh, somewhat refreshing for, you know, to kind of take a step back and, and catch our breath and, and play three big games for the rest of the season. And it's nice to nice to jump right back in with a rivalry game. So it's uh, kind of the excitement's kind of amping up here as we're getting close. Um, and uh, I, I would imagine it's got to be that, you know, times 100, times 1,000 for uh, – for the players, they've got to be chomping at the bit to play this game. So if they can harness that energy and uh, turn that into production, then um, I'm pretty confident we'll be successful. And, and hopefully we uh, we do find a way to break through early and then really, really pour it on because I, I'm with you. I would, I would have no, I would shed no tears um, in, in sending uh, Mark D'Antonio out with a, a really, really big, um, a really big loss in uh, in the big house. If this is indeed his uh the his swan song, then we should uh, send him on his way uh, appropriately. So one of the things I was looking at is you know your current prediction is twenty four to seven, and uh, I hope that's the the first. I hope that's the halftime score, but I could live with twenty four seven Michigan. Looking at your preseason prediction, you were predicting seventeen thirteen Michigan. What do you think has changed between your prediction and how you feel now? I really expected uh, Michigan State's offense to move, um, to improve more than it has. I, I, Lewerke was was injured all of last season. I expected him to be a little bit better. Um, this season, I expected them to be able to run the ball better than they have. So um, that defense, I think, started the season like uh, number five in the SP plus and it is down to number 11. But again, like, like the 2017 Michigan team, I think that defense is hampered a little bit by playing uh, on some short fields because the offense doesn't move the ball. And, and also um, fatigue becomes a factor late in games because uh, they're not getting much of a break. So um, originally in the preseason, I thought the offense would be middle of the pack in the fifties or sixties up from the nineties and uh, would be effective enough to uh, to really keep this as a very, very close game um, and and that it would stay in the teens. Now that we've seen um, Michigan have some success against some top 10 defenses, they've played three defenses already this season that are currently in the top 10 in SP Plus in uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Penn State, and then uh, – Notre Dame was no slouch. I think they were number 23. So Michigan has shown that they, they can score some points on some of the top defenses. And uh, I do think that they found uh, a couple different uh, 
schemes and concepts that that work for them with the uh, within the run game with the pin and pull with uh, Haskins and Charbonnet and then threatening the edge uh, through the passing game with Ronnie Bell and Donovan Peoples Jones and then the the deep ball always has to be accounted for with Nico Collins so I think they'll score more uh, after having seen uh, Michigan State's defense take a step back and Michigan's offense find a kind of find some footing I think they'll do better offensively and um, Michigan's defense uh, it has has really impressed me with their ability to be multiple on the fronts, you know, switching between the three, three, five and the four, three and uh, bringing pressure from, from multiple different angles while still mixing in a, a, a good amount of zone coverage and really handling the, uh, the crossing route problem from last year. I think uh, both um, Michigan's defense has better than I thought that it was, and Michigan State's defense is not quite as good as I thought it would be by this point in the year. One thing that I'm going to be watching for is, historically, this game is always hard fought, and occasionally uh, that uh, that intensity goes over the line. And I think one of the things that, that did impress me about Michigan State for most of this eight and four run where, where they've been dominant over Michigan. And, and I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the Hoke years. They were just so good. They didn't have to go over the line. I mean, I, I remember, uh, you know, we had the, we had the consecutive games up there and, and they just, they just spanked us. And I remember, you know, being up there for one game and uh, again in, in the Hoke era and, and just having the feeling that the game was over before it even began you know, Michigan State just had a had a swagger, and and Michigan could not match it. So it'll be interesting to me to see um, if the intensity goes over the line for either team this year. You know that these teams don't like each other. Um, you know, all the historical cliches really uh, come into play in this game. The other reason I'm hoping Michigan, you know, puts a beating on is I really want to get our key starters out of the game and get some other players and get some experience. I'm thinking specifically at quarterback. I, I, I really would want to see Shea out of the game, you know, by the fourth quarter and, and really get, uh, you know, McCaffrey and, and possibly Milton some reps because, you know, we got a really big game coming up a few weeks from now. You know, you never want to look too far ahead, but that's, you know, that's really um, the biggest challenge left this season. You know, you, you got to take care of business against Michigan State. And, you know, I really like the things that you pointed out about how the defense has adjusted and really come on being able to uh, switch from zone to man-to-man and, and handle the crossing routes. Well, the big test of that is coming up. And, uh, again, got to take care of business here, but definitely interested to see um, if Michigan can continue to peak. And, and, and that's really the thing that, that I've been frustrated the last couple years is it's not just the Ohio state loss. It's they followed up the Ohio state loss with two embarrassing bowl losses. And I think, you know, I'm not a bit, I'm not a person who puts a lot of stock in the, in the non-college football playoff bowl games, but you do want to end up on a high note. And, 
you know, between the last two years against Ohio State and the last two bowl games, there's no, I, there's no way I think you could have a feeling that this team was resurgent. And right now I feel that they are. I mean, I, I really feel that, you know, halftime against Penn State, this team was really hanging in the balance. And, you know, they could have very easily came out, went belly up, and, and then who knows where we'd be right now. But um, that really that game to me seems to be the pivotal point of this season. And I'm, I'm really hoping that we can continue to build on that and continue the, the upward surge uh, uh, and, you know, culminate in a really great, hopefully, victory against Ohio State. But um, just want to continue building on, on what I feel that the offense has finally been able to put together. Yeah, a couple couple thoughts on that. I think um, even – I think it was the Notre Dame uh, recap that, that I mentioned. It, it's tough to pinpoint exactly when the turnaround may have been. I, I tend to think that it may have been the week before Penn State uh, when they stopped the bleeding against uh, Illinois, when Illinois came uh, came roaring back with 25 straight points and, and Michigan looked so awful in that third quarter. But on the road, they were able to right the ship and, and had their leadership step in and, and get people refocused and, and make plays um, in that fourth quarter and ended up pulling away and, and winning by multiple scores. So I think that, um, that kind of gut check moment was probably um, a, a, at least a precursor to to what has been you know kind of the, the the turnaround that's happened later in the season. The other thought that I had was um, in terms of the uh, the kind of crescendo or the, the 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 continual improvement through the the last you know the fourth quarter here of the season as compared to the last few years. I think there is a better chance for that. The, the one of the main reasons again is the 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 variables that Don Brown has put onto the into the defensive scheme are, are really a big deal because I think some of the problems of the past are uh, in the late season um, in the previous uh, years that Don Brown's been here as a defensive coordinator is by this point in the season there's enough film out there on Michigan that you could download some of Don Brown's tendencies and he, he was going to do what he was going to do. And he was going to rely on his players to make plays. And um, Rutgers and Indiana last year showed us that they, you could have some success. You could scheme some success against Don Brown by manipulating formations and, and plays and motions to exploit the, the man-to-man coverage that you knew you were going to get. So the the whole the quote from Harbaugh at the end of last year, you know, according to Don Brown, was more is more, not less is more. More is more, meaning he needed to have more options to put out there, and um, more more fronts and, and looks and options to put out there, so that he wasn't so predictable and easily manipulated with uh, specific formations and motions. So. Um, that is, is the whole idea that they, they can maintain success and, and even improve through the fourth quarter of the season. And hopefully this Saturday is a big step in that direction because, uh, this game, the, uh, what would be the 10th game of the year last year was, uh, you know, was kind of the start of the, 
the the slow downfall um, leading into Columbus. Even though these were games that Michigan won, they they were not playing their best at, at this point in the season. You know, the other thing, you know, I, I like the point that you made about that perhaps the turnaround was against Illinois at the time. And, and again, it, it's it's kind of how the optics, you know, come into view, right? At the time, it felt horrible because here was Michigan, a team that was in control at halftime, getting staggered by, you know, and again, if you look past the last three or four years, a horrible team, right? Well, it turns out, looking back, that really that was where Illinois turned their season around. So, you know, it, it's a lot different looking at a team that's above 500 and, and, and surging versus, a, you know, if, if Illinois was 1-8 and eight right now, that, that, that second half would still look pretty bad and, and would look worse. But to, to see that they really turned their season at that point, um, I think it, it makes the effort that Michigan did to stop them uh, even more even more impressive. Yep, exactly right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.